Welcome to a special episode with IA Wrestle and QCA Wrestle's Rob Hill and Jay Zyman. Our guest today is Paul Bradley. It was really great getting to talk with Paul, and I know you're going to enjoy this. We're here tonight with uh, Paul Bradley. Uh, Paul, thank you for joining. Paul was a uh, state champion and two-time runner-up at South Tama High School here in Iowa. Uh, Paul was a two-time All-American for the University of Iowa, had a pretty impressive MMA fight career, uh, including strike time in strike force, UFC, Bellator, and, and some others. Um, and then I, I know, Paul, you ran um, it's uh, the USA Ultimate Warrior Wrestling Club out in San Diego, which is pretty yeah. Yeah, I ran that for around four years. Uh, we were pretty dang successful towards the end. A couple, uh, I think my best kid, he was like a seven-time finalist and a five-time champ. So he was ridiculous, ridiculously good. Uh, and then I had a couple other kids I brought up underneath me who, you know, uh, were Reno uh, tournament, or what is it, Reno tournament of champions, uh, place winners. And sure. my last year was my best year. and. We, we had a really successful club, and then, you know, it was just time to move on eventually, so. Sure, sure. And then you made a move, a big move, I, I think we would all agree, from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, right? And so now you're, uh, you're at Queens University in Charlotte? Yeah, so we're Division II. Um, you know, after, you know, uh, I had my last fight. I knew it was time. It was time to just hang it up. I, going into the fight, I was kind of thinking already, like, man, just get the win and and let's go off on a win. And, you know, it was even to qualify for a million-dollar tournament. And I knew if I had decision the, the guy was going to not make the tournament, do it was on a point system. Uh, so I was like, man, if I can just decision him. So once you're thinking that way, you're, you got one foot in, one foot out the door already. So right after the fight, I, I knew it was time to move on. So, you know, thankfully, you know, I came back to San Diego. I started doing, you know, working a little bit of construction, working another wrestling club. And then, uh, you know, I just applied. I saw it online. I was up in Seattle, Washington, working um, scaffolding, which is uh, pretty dangerous. So I'm up there and I'm just going through, through all the, uh, all the message boards and all the job postings. And I saw this, posting for Queens University of Charlotte I'm like eh, that's kind of weird you know it's here it is in like I think I, I saw the post in like January so they're looking for an assistant coach and so they flew me out in March and right before their NCAA tournament met with the guys met with the coaches met with you know uh, the athletic administration everyone did all the bells and whistles and then they offered me the job in June so it's pretty Pretty good timing, pretty awesome deal. So yeah. I follow I wrestle pretty closely. Uh, my nephew, Dominic Riddow, he was ranked number one going in the States this year and then ended up getting pinned in the semis after he was up two. I think he was up 2 0, but yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking for him. So yeah, yeah he's 2 A, East Marshall High School, ended up coming back taking third. So and he took a plus out of it. So sure, yeah. Yeah, he's just, he'll he'll bounce back. Obviously, well, he did bounce back, got third. But the good thing is he's got two more years to keep battling. And at this sure. point, yeah. So um, I'm going to take it all the way to the beginning, Paul. Uh, let's let's talk about where you where you came from and uh, how'd you get your start in the wrestling. Uh, so as you said, I'm from South Tama. Well, it's actually Tama, Toledo, little little small town smack dab in the middle of Iowa, like probably pretty close to the center in between Marshalltown uh, and Cedar Rapids. So, you know, I was just a rambunctious kid, uh, pretty much like every kid that starts wrestling. Too much energy, probably had ADD before it was before it was diagnosed back then, bouncing off walls. So, you know, I just, just like every other kid, I was like, oh, wrestling, I wonder if that's like the turnbuckles and the elbow drops. And <laughs> when I showed up, to my surprise, it was nothing compared to that. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. It wore me out. My parents liked that. It wore me out and took a little bit of time off their hands from me. So started when I was seven and just never stopped. So did your parents, did you have any other family members that wrestled as well? Uh, so no, uh, I had a sister, an older sister who was involved in athletics. She was, uh, she was in the track, volleyball, basketball, all that stuff. Uh, 
I had a couple, actually my uh, cousin, uh, uh, one of my cousins won state, I think back in 1980 for, uh, for like Trayer or Nortema. Um, and then I had two cousins from Jefferson Street and one was a state runner up, Gavin Bradley, I think in 95. And then the other one, Garrett Bradley was a state qualifier, I think in 97, if I, if I remember correctly. And Oh yeah, this came to me. Kenny Bradley from Nortema was uh, the 1980 state champ in my family, and then Elmer Bradley, his father, I think, won it in like 1950. So I wasn't the first Bradley state champ, unfortunately. I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I'm not. The, I don't get to lay claim to being the first Bradley state champ in the family. So yeah, yeah, pretty good lineage there, really. Then yeah, for sure. Um, who are some wrestlers uh, that were sort of your role models uh, growing up. So for sure, coming from Tama, you know, we had Wes Hand, who, who, who did great things at Iowa, was a two-time All-American, state runner-up, and his brother Matt Hand, you know, state champ, took third at state, went to Iowa, didn't have the same success, but definitely watching those guys, you know, go through the program before me and growing up watching them, that was probably the, the main guys, like, I looked up to. I uh, wanted to be like, you know, a little bit older than me. Uh, as far as the college team went, it probably would have had to been like Macaravy. I loved watching that guy, Joe Williams. Um, yeah, probably those two, really. Oh, I, Jeff McGinnis was another favorite of mine. I know he was, he, you know, didn't score a lot of points, but he was so technical and never got out of position. I, I really admired that about his wrestling. Sure. So, uh, did you do much uh, freestyle Greco when you were uh, growing up wrestling? Yeah, so I started in eighth grade, actually. Uh, I did Greco. I won Greco State, I think, in eighth grade. It wasn't really my thing. Freestyle, I really took a liking to with the leg attacks, the laces, and the big throws. So, I actually started in eighth grade, won the schoolboy nationals that year. Uh, the following year, my second year in freestyle, uh, didn't even place at the universities because I, well, I actually missed weight trying to make 143 and then uh, went up to 54 and got beat out. Said, heck with it. Wrestled 54 at Fargo, won it. So it was pretty big. And then uh, very next year, I wrestled 167 and I took fifth in Fargo again as a cadet. Um, you know, unfortunately, my junior went two and two. I cut a bunch of weight and it definitely hurt me. And, so, and then in college, I was a university All-American as well. I think in my, was my third year, I took fourth. I actually lost to Ben Askren in this, or for third and fourth, which is kind of crazy. So, oh, yeah, that's, that is crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, got beat by a high school senior as well in the semifinals, a guy by the name of J.D. Bergman. I never, 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 uh, Never heard the end of it because he was a senior and I was going into, you know, my third year of college. So tough kid, though, beat me in overtime. So sure. He ended up having a pretty darn good wrestling career. I mean, yeah, very big name now. Yeah. 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 He, he did well in the college scene and then obviously internationally. I, I don't ever think he made the world or Olympic, but he's always right there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like stepping into the Iowa wrestling room as a freshman? I know you had a super successful high school career and, and college as well, but what was the – coming off, you know, an awesome uh, state championship, you know, senior year, feeling, you know, like mm -hmm. on top of the world, um, what was it like your first time stepping into the Iowa room? You know, actually when I first went into that room, I was doing pretty well. Uh, then again, I hadn't met up with Justin Smith yet in the room either. <laughs> So I started off pretty dang well. Uh, I was doing well with guys like Tyler Nix, Ben Shirk, uh, you know, the other freshmen I was doing well with. And uh, I was getting my takedowns. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started ha having to wrestle Justin Smith every day. And it, it was bad. Like, he just tormented me, kicked the crap out of me. Uh, I'll never forget, I got one takedown on him uh, somewhere around January. Body locked him, put him on his back lifted him back up I was brands were screaming everyone's all fired up and then I proceeded to get my my butt kicked for the rest of the rest of the practice man so it, it was rough I I literally got one takedown on the entire year in the practice room and uh 
just getting beat up by them every day. It was rough. So then once I started going with those other guys, I didn't have very much success. You know, the, uh, the confidence was down. So yeah, that, you know, like I said, I started off pretty hot. Like I was like, Oh man, I think maybe I could start right away. And then it quickly came to fruition that man, like maybe not. <laughs> so. Sure, sure. So how did you, uh, Mentally, how did you like stick with it uh, when you started to struggle there uh, with like Jessman Smith? What was sort of your thought process on how you're going to continue to, to, you know, to build and, and get to your success you wanted? Well, you know, the very next year, uh, knowing that I couldn't take out Jessman, I mean, he just had my number. He, he had that big brother mentality on me and I couldn't get past <laughs> it. He had me mentally. So I actually moved up to 197. Uh, going in my second year, and I challenged Ryan Folsis, you know. He was the one guy I thought I could slip into that lineup. And, you know, we had a heck of a heck of a, uh, a wrestle-off, you know. Mark Perry actually still talks about it to me sometimes and to other people about how when he came on his visit, he's like, he never seen anything like it. it almost, I mean, right away, it almost turned into a fist fight, you know, pushing each other. My singlet got ripped off in the middle of the match. It was, it was bananas. But uh, – I lost a close match to him, um, so he took the spot, and I just, I really believed I could start, you know, I'd end up in the lineup that year. I, I just thought sooner or later I'd catch my break and beat him in a rust-off or whatever, and, you know, I went down and won some opens at 97. I was doing pretty well, and, and uh, went to Midlands, and uh, I was one match away from uh, from uh, placing top A. I lost to... All-American from Michigan in a real close match, real tough kid from Montana. And I'll never forget, I came back and, you know, I asked for a wrestle-off and they wouldn't give it to me. And I uh, went back home for like a week and I was like talking, probably shouldn't be saying this, but I was talking to Wes Hand a little bit about Virginia Tech. And I was like, dude, if they don't give me a wrestle-off, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I, I want to release. And this is back when you couldn't really get released, you know, so – you know, I talked with Wes, and he kind of had me almost all set on coming to Virginia Tech, and I went back to Iowa City, and I, you know, I was like, told uh, Zaleski, I was like, hey, I need to talk to you, and, you know, so he brings me in his office, and we're talking, I was like, hey, man, I, I want to wrestle off, you know, I did this at Midlands, he went, I think he went one and two or something, I, I think I won four or five matches at Midlands that year, and He's like, well, he's like, you'll keep working, but, you know, I'm not giving you a rest off right now. Right now. He's like, my immediate response was, well, I, I want my release. And he's like, well, I'm not giving it to you. So he kind of shut that down right away. And he went on to explain. He's like, this may not be your year, but I have big plans for you. And I believe in you. And I was like, oh, you know, he changed my mind that quick. And, you know, probably a five to 10 minute conversation. He had me already saying, yeah, you're right. I will win nationals, you know? Yeah. This is just a, a learning year. And, you know, they took me on all the trips and, you know, warmed me up with everyone. And I got to see how, how all the experiences were and, you know, uh, going to Oklahoma state and seeing that crowd. I was, I was at the Michigan state duel when Mako kicked him in the butt and we got all the stuff thrown. I mean, it was a wild year and, you know, uh, he got suspended and that's actually when I got to wrestle my first match in Carver you know was when uh, Michael got that suspension we wrestled in Minnesota and got to go out there at heavyweight against uh, against uh, Garrett Lowney so held my own 5-2 and you know I think what really helped me that year too is um, right after season I got into the freestyle thing and I was doing well and wrestling some pretty tough guys like I said you know Bacchus won it. I think uh, uh, Bergman took second. I lost to uh, Aspen for third. But I turned the corner that summer. I really I really saw me turning the corner is when I was actually keeping it close with Jessman. I, I was taking him down, and we were having, like, really close goes, you know, and before it was, like, a massacre. So I would say that second year and then Jimmy take, taking me under his wing that whole summer and working with me, like, two to three days a week. I just really built my confidence. So when I did get that starting job, when I was in my third year, I was ready to go. You know, I, I think you touched base on this a little bit, or we're leading towards this, but who was the toughest coach that you've ever had to wrestle for and why? And, you know, kind of leading into uh, Coach Zaluski and, and 
how, how you wrestled under his tutelage? You know, it's, it's not talked about a lot. Not, uh, I'm not afraid to talk about it now that, that I'm a grown man, but, you know, everyone saw the rift between Zaleski and Brands, and the lineup was split. You know, he had the lighter guys, and Zaleski had the upper weight. So, I mean, although I was coached by Brands, and I liked having Brands as a coach, I, I was a Zaleski guy, and it was kind of – it's kind of awkward. It was different. You know, like I said, the lineup was split down the middle, you know, starting about 165 and up was Zaleski guys and then below was Brand. So, you know, um, I would say like I wrestling under Zaleski. I mean, because like I said, he, he was basically worked with me all the time, called me all the time. I mean, I'll never forget my freshman year, you know, um, I'd, I'd sooner like to forget it. It still makes me mad, but wrestling Shane Webster in the the USA versus Iowa All-Star duel and, you know, doing a, had a really good match with them 6-4 and then all of a sudden, like, I don't even remember the match and I ended up getting beat by, like, 10 or 12 or something, got majored and I'll never forget, like, Zaleski calling me, uh, calling me, like, 6 a.m. right when I got to school. Hey, this is Shane Webster. I'm up training right now, getting ready to kick your ass again. And, like, these were calls, uh, like, he did this weekly, probably every other day. And it's like, this, it get under my skin. So he, he knew how to get under my skin, but he also knew how to, like, build me up. So he's one of those coaches that was really good with, with my kind of mindset, my attitude. I'm, I'm a little more laid back. I'm not always, like, super intense. But when it's time to go, it's time to go. And Zaleski just knew how to get that out of me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh... – I'll tell you, um, one of the things I remember from watching you wrestle, I, I guess I'll turn this into a question. How many matches do you think that you um, wrestled that you didn't end up uh, having to tape up your, your head in some, in some manner? <laughs> no, I don't ever remember any. That, I, yeah, that, I still like even wrestling with the college kids now. It's like I'll, I'll wrestle two or three days in a row and my head's already like messed up. So. I mean, I've gotten a little bit better with trying to, like, not get my face mashed in. But, yeah, I, honestly, um, probably the first duel of the year, maybe the first tournament of the year. But then by the third or fourth match, it's taped. Yeah. It just was what it was. Yeah. Paper-thin skin on, on my forehead. like, And I, I led with my head that, you know, first line of defense is, you know, the head, the second's the hands, and the third's the hips. So, you know, he's coming with the head. So. Yeah, it wasn't often I didn't wrestle with that yeah. head uh, without the headband. But I will say freestyle was a little different, you know, a little more outside stuff. So I guess I don't ever have any where remember wearing it freestyle. So that was, I guess, if we can count freestyle, that that was about the only time. So, <laughs> uh, what what would you say is the biggest obstacle to overcome for a wrestler transitioning from high school? into college wrestling uh easily probably learning how to hand fight and basically just being tough i know going in that room i thought i was tough i didn't know what tough was until i got in that room and you know we we had days where it was wrestle till someone quits and when you heard that you knew it was not it was gonna be a horrible day no matter what no matter when i was a senior you know and i'd I'd be like, all right, man, I got to grab a freshman, you know, just something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just coming in and the physicality and just being super, like, you know, not even not even flashy or anything, but technical and basic. You know, tech, being basic and technical wins, you know, a lot of matches. It's not getting out of position, you know. You we see it now with all the phone girls, but they, they've been doing that their whole life and they're technical at it, you know? So I don't see it so much as scrambling anymore. Like when you're watching Yanni or someone, yeah. he's been in that position so many times, he's literally technical in that, you know? So he, he knows where he's going on that. The guy slips that slips his leg or slips his ankle or arm out, you know, he knows where he's going to next. So I would say definitely probably the toughness of a room, the physicality and, hand fighting just being super technical and everything sure hey uh paul you just currently uh, uh well currently are taking that position with the assistant coach at queen's uh, university 
Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the transition from being, you know, an elite athlete and, you know, a youth coach to taking over a, a college program and, and the expectations and, and how you made that transition? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, I was in the coaching tree for two years before or right, right after I concluded at, at uh, Iowa. I was at Indiana University for a year and University of Buffalo for a year. But, you know, uh, I guess the fight career kind of took over there from, you know, for 12 years or whatever. But, you know, I knew it was always something I want to get back into, uh, hence why I did a kids club uh, when I was uh, doing the fight thing because it was it was flexible, you know, we practice two days a week and then you have your tournaments on, on the weekend. So, and I enjoyed coaching and teaching. It, it was a passion, you know? Um, so I always knew I kind of wanted to get back into it when I was done fighting and I wanted to make sure I didn't get out of wrestling completely, you know, because when I would go to apply for these positions, well, what have you done these past couple of years? I've been fight. well, you know, I haven't really even been in the room, you know, it just wasn't going to look good. So um, probably the biggest thing was, you know, coming to university, you know, and coaching college athletes again, you know, got to remember I was coaching five to 14 year olds. So it's a diff definitely a different mentality. Um, everyone's there. They, they, they know the work's got to be done and uh, you know, it's a little less hassle. And, uh, you know, I can say, say it now, but not having to deal with, parents too it's kind of nice so yeah, yeah stylistically how much has it changed because I mean you coached in uh in Indiana uh you coached over in the west coast now you're over in the east coast where it seems to be you know a pretty good strong hub of wrestlers over there um what's a different style or is there any major style differences that you recognize uh, the scrambling 100% everyone's great at scrambling now I was pretty decent at scrambling just because I was quick and athletic, uh, I didn't like to scramble. I like to put people down immediately and avoid those positions, you know. And sadly, it got me in trouble my senior year, and I tore my hamstring. So, you know, uh, I I always try to stay out of those positions. But if you notice, the mat wrestling's amazing. Guys on top now are turning people, you know. And I remember when I was wrestling, there was only a few guys doing that, you know, and. And uh, I don't remember other guys, you know, a ton of guys other than Nick Simmons and, and guys like that who would really put a ride on a guy, you know, in college wrestling. And obviously you see all this crazy scrambling now and everyone's so good at it. And, uh, I mean, it's just evolved, honestly. I mean, go back to when Gable wrestled and then look at it now. It's just completely, completely different. So, yeah, for sure. One kind of cool thing, a few years ago, um, I, I brought my son to a camp. Uh, so Cliff Fretwell is one of the coaches at the compound uh, out of Atlanta, Compound Wrestling okay. Club Academy. Oh, yeah, it's an amazing club. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he uh, they do a lot of scramble camps. And so that's a couple – actually, my oldest son's been to a couple different ones of, of them. He had Lee Roper at one of them, and, and uh, Cliff Fretwell himself was at, at one of them. And just uh, – it kind of was really eye-opening for me because I always thought, kind of like what you said, I always looked at it as scrambling, but it's like they're rehearsing it. Like it's not really just like it's just not happening. They're putting themselves into that position and practicing them. And that to me was totally different than anything I had ever really seen before. So pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I, I got to be in the, the wrestling room a little bit out there in uh, San Diego when uh, – Jerry Abbas was at uh, Rancho Bernardo, so I got to see some of his stuff firsthand. But he's really the first one that started jumping over people's backs and grabbing far ankles and rolling through and doing all that crazy stuff. And so, I mean, yeah, it's it's just became like its own little sort of technique now. Like every, like I said, these kids know. Okay, well, if he defends this way, then I go this way, you know. And then, yet yeah, you see these scrambles now. It's a minute minute 20 it's it's fun to watch i mean like i said i it wasn't anything i was gonna do i was more of an explosion guy but i, I like watching it so yeah yeah it's pretty fun tell me a little bit about this past season for your team i i think i saw did you guys end up with two um two ncaa qualifiers is that right yeah that's correct so yep so uh you know it's it was it was just 
successful season. Um, for what we had, honestly, uh, we started off the season with a full lineup. You know, we had our 125 through heavyweight. We we uh, won a, we did did well at some uh, some opens. Uh, had some champions. Uh, wrestled UNC Pembroke uh, early in the year with the full lineup. I think they were ranked 14th, and we were right in it. We lost 19 to 16. It was a great duel, and uh, I was proud of them, man. And then all of a sudden, you know, things start hitting. We had a 133-pounder. We actually – that was nationally ranked. We had to uh, let go from the team due to, due, due to some things. You know, he just wasn't following protocol on a lot of things, missing practice, showing up late, not maintaining his weight, you know. Uh, so we lost him. Uh, we ended up losing our 57-pounder who tore his ACL drilling, not warming up correctly. So that, that hurt us. Our 65-pounder started missing weight. You know, it's becoming a tough cut for him, so we lost him. Heavyweight became academically ineligible. So, yeah, there you go. But sure. basically going into, going into matches with anywhere between seven to maybe eight guys, you know, with a few backups in there, we end up six and eight. So, Honestly, it was pretty dang successful from going from one in seventeen the previous year. Um, in their first year, this is our second year of the program going into our third. But yeah. six and eight, and you know, with a full lineup, we could have competed with a lot of these teams. Um, so you know, um, it wasn't the season we wanted, but it was definitely an improvement, and we're heading in the right direction. Um, and like as you said, we. Uh, we did well at our region, our at our super region for which is our national qualifier. We I think we took seven seven guys. Um, we had our twenty uh, five pounder uh, qualify again for second nationals, uh, and then our seventy four pounder who was actually one eighty four all season, probably the best kid on the team. <clears throat> he actually um, we had to hold him out most of the season with uh, he literally had a broken back, so. We uh, we basically just did what we could with him, uh, made sure he was ready for the Super Regional, and he uh, he he decided to make the drop down to 74 since he was an undersized 84, and he ends up making the Nationals with a broken back. It, I mean, crazy. So we got all the way to Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, um, ready to go, you know, uh, trained in the night before. Uh, you know, we're going to be wrestling in the morning and then, uh, we get back to the hotel and we got the, we got the call. Yep. They're calling it crazy. So pretty heartbroken. I, you know, I had to go, t I was the first to go tell the, tell our two guys, man. I mean, it's out of our, uh, out of our hands, man. Um, I'm sorry. You guys worked your butt off. You guys made it here. Both of them made it there with like significant in injuries. They battled all season. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I really didn't have words for him. I felt horrible. Um, and as a coach, like, you hate seeing your athletes like that. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I was competitive fighter, wrestler, all that good stuff. But, like, I, I translate that over into my coaching now. Like, I want to see these kids succeed and do what I couldn't accomplish. And that's when a national title. Um, they didn't get, even get the opportunity. So, unfortunately, yeah, their season ended. and. But got high hopes for this next season. You know, I'm recruiting two junior college kids who will come in and make an immediate impact. We're recruiting a solid 125-er. Since our 125 will be moving up to 33, uh, we bring everyone back. And then if we can get one more blue chip in there, I think we, uh, I think we compete for our conference title for sure. And awesome. regions will always be hard because UNC Pembroke, I'm not going to lie, they're pretty much – they're like last chance you for wrestling. I mean, literally they, it's like so cheap to go there. And it's basically where you go. If, uh, if it doesn't work out at D one or you're having problems somewhere, that's where you go. So and I'm not knocking them for it. They, they keep their kids in line and they're doing, you know, they're doing great things. So. Yeah. Gotcha. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. Yep. Very cool. So you kind of answer our next question, but, uh, um, going into, uh, you said you were talking about a couple, uh, blue chips that you got coming in and some really good freshmen. What, as a college coach, what are you looking for in your wrestlers? And, uh, um, 
you know, what kind of investments are you making into your wrestlers, uh, new kids possibly coming into the program? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mentioned it before toughness. Come into this room and take charge immediately. We, we had a couple guys on, in our program who they go through the motions. It doesn't seem like they want to be there. You know, it doesn't seem like they, they, they're excited to be at practice. I mean, you don't have to be excited, but you got to come in and do the work. Like, you can't half-ass any work in the restroom. The, the, the day you half-ass, some, some other guy's out there working his ass, ass off, you know. So, I mean, that's one thing, you know, me and Tate, Coach Rob Tate, you know, he's the head coach here. We're trying to change the culture, you know. Uh, it was a different culture before I got here, and I'm not knocking anyone that was the head coach before Rob, but, I mean, you do your research, you can find out, but it was a different culture. Um, things weren't done right. Um, you know, rules were broken, lots of different things. Um, but we're trying to change the culture, toughen these kids up. And, and I, I don't want any of my guys feeling like their, their, their spot is like secured. Like I want them always kind of on their heels. Like, all right, man, like, you know, I got to show up today or else so-and-so may take the spot. So, that's why I'm looking at these two junior college kids. They're, they've already been, you know, in the system as far as wrestling in the college scene, and they they did well, did very well. So they've already they've already had like a you know big impact at the college level. Although junior college, but I mean, some can say junior college is maybe even tougher than Division Two. I mean, there's some really good guys out there. So bringing these kids in, I think, will light a fire under this team. It's just. I got to get them. It's, it's hard to sign a guy when you can't bring them to campus right now. So, you know, I'm, I've been on them for a while. And like I said, hopefully we get this stud high school kid that from North Carolina here is a four-time placer. You know, he won his senior and dominated. He's a really good kid. And he's one of those kids that's extremely focused, extremely focused on the task at hand. So, like I said, me and Coach Tater, we're trying to build a culture here and, and do things right. You know, and, and first and foremost, that's bringing in good kids who have good grades, good uh, good morals, and, uh, you know, put the team first. And I think we lack that in years past. Sure. It sounds to me like you're doing the right things. Big growth from year one to year two. And, yeah, it sounds to me like you guys are doing some awesome things. So we, we look forward to continuing to watch that growth, man. That's, that's exciting stuff. Um, Appreciate one thing, that. One thing that, that really stood out to me, you mentioned um, – you don't want any of the guys to necessarily feel comfortable. The spot is not secure. And I'm a big fan of that. I know my, uh, my, my oldest son, who's just in high school, um, I've sort of tried to make him feel that way. Like, there's always going to be somebody, you know, on his team they can wrestle off once a week. And uh, I, I guess I want to ask, what, is that what you're, you were used to in the Iowa room? It, you, you always had to be, you know, you, you were never secure, I'm guessing. I mean, you, you might have felt like this is my spot. But I'm guessing you always knew there was somebody back back there working their butts off to try to catch you. Yeah, you know, even as a senior, I had Philip Ketty right on my heels, giving me tough goes in the room. So, and you know, he 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 was very successful after me. So that that's the thing, you know. And I think we changed the culture a little bit this year. We had one guy who, you know, he wanted to rust off our 74 pounder all the time, you know, because he was actually that was his spot while our you know, uh, while well, I should say 84 because he dropped down to 74, but uh, he wanted that spot and he did well at 74 when when our other guy was out and he wanted those wrestle offs and you know and but we just he got his one wrestle off but we just couldn't have him wrestle off after that you know because obviously fear of injury again so um, you know he sacrificed for the team and he dropped down to 65. So, you know, I know he didn't end up where he wanted to be, um, you know, and didn't make the nationals, but I, I see that as a good thing as far as the culture and the, you know, in our program changing, you know, most, he could have just said, no, nah, I'm not dropping down. I'm not doing this, but he's like, yeah, I'll go down. I'll go down. And I think one of the biggest things with me and coach Tate was, uh, you know, was convincing him he could do big things at, at 65 and, you know, he wasn't going to lose any strength or any of his power. So, you know, like I said, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think we got some guys. We got two freshmen this past season who who 
you know, one one was did really well during the season, did did things right. The other one, like I said, was sixty five pounder who stopped making weight, put him all the way to eighty four. But dang, he he almost snuck in at, at the, uh, the super region. He took fourth, and they take top, top three. So he was kind of a dark horse. So he shows up if he's not cutting weight, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, what advice do you give your freshman coming in? You know, being a top dog in high school and they're going to start at the bottom of the ring rung again, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, I mean, right when you come in, just be ready to take your lumps. Uh, another thing, uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about is getting your social life, getting your academics, getting your wrestling all in order. I, I know I struggled with that my first year uh, with, with, you know, the school thing and going to practice and, get, you know, getting beat up every day. It was, it was a tough transition for me. And uh, I know it can break a lot of kids. It, it can ruin a lot of kids. But just know that, you know, it, it will get better. You know, you'll get your routine down and things will get better. So first and foremost, have, have all those things in, or have all your ducks in a row, I should say. And just work on that routine, you know, and be ready to come in and take some lumps, but be ready to fight. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so right now, uh, the, 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 we already talked about how it's limited. You know, gyms are closed. I know everything's closed, really. But um, what what would you recommend a wrestler do right now to get better, to get ready for the next season? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things you can do. You can do the shadow wrestling. You can do running. Uh, you can do your isometrics, whether it be the push-ups or pull-ups, all that stuff. You got a weight set. That's even it's even better. Uh, I'm I'm doing what I can. I, I got a bunch of bands. I hate band workouts, but hey, it, you know, um, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm like shadow boxing in the park and, and shadow wrestling. I'm like the crazy guy out there, but got to get it in, man. Like it, it was driving me nuts for the first two weeks. So I'm like, man, like I can't figure out anything to do. And then, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? There's plenty of things you can do. I mean, I'll never forget. I won a state title in eighth grade, literally taking the uh i didn't even have the atom dummy off the wall i had the regular big stupid block dummy and i just put it up against the wall and all i did was hit singles high crotches and double legs with trying not to run my head into the wall but that was my training partner for a whole month before my a state tournament because i was the only eighth grader so uh i mean you can get it done uh you know uh i've been checking in with all my all my wrestlers and Pretty cool picture I got the other day. It's on my Facebook, but uh, one of my wrestlers uh, sent me. I uh, I was just uh, checking in on him, but the one who had trouble making weight, and I told him, "You're going 184 next season. You know that's where I want you to get big." And it's like, how do I get big? Well, then he sends me a uh, sends me a picture of like these sand weights on this bar, and they're all stacked across. <laughs> I was like, that's. That's like the Walmart edition, you know. Remember the sand weights? Yep. But yep. it was pretty amazing. You know, I was like, "What do you, you know?" He has all these weights on there. I was like, "What do you got on there? About a 150?" He's like, "Yeah, about 150, but I'll, I'll rep it out for 25s." He's like, "All right, <laughs> man." So he's getting it in. So there's ways to get work in. Um, like I said, you, I mean, you can watch video. That you know, I I became a big guy watching video when I was fighting. I didn't realize you know, how, how well that, or how well that helped my, my fighting and my style. And, but yeah, definitely get your work in outside while you can, whether it be like your shadow wrestling, your isometrics, like I said, if you got a weight set, even better. So, yeah. You, you talked a little bit about, and we all know uh, with your fight career, did, uh, were you, did uh, you have to pick up boxing after wrestling or were you throwing uh, leather earlier on in your career? No, I was, uh, I went straight. Yeah, I was straight wrestler right away. I mean, that, that was pretty obvious for about the first hmm, probably five or six fights in my career. Um, just, uh, I really took the jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu was like really, wasn't easy for me, but I really enjoyed it. And I was one of the few wrestlers like that, you know, jiu-jitsu guys will tell me this, like, why, you know, I never met a wrestler who wants to start on his back. Well, that's how I started when I was starting my fight career, because that's where I need to learn and get comfortable with. Okay. You get taken down. Like it happens. Um, 
how, how are you going to, how are you going to cope? How are you going to co- overcome it? So I, I got real good at jujitsu. Uh, striking took me a little while. Um, kind of when I started it was 2006. So you didn't really have like MMA gyms. You had to go over here for boxing and over here for jujitsu. And, you know, obviously I had the wrestling cover cause I was still college coaching and stuff, but it wasn't mixed blended together. So it took me a while. Um, but then uh, I got pretty pretty decent at it within uh, what two or three years. Started throwing hands and uh, thankfully had a really good uh, really good striking coach when I was in San Diego named Tony Palafox, who kind of took me to the next level as far as striking went. So you know I was lucky in that sense. But I would say the jiu-jitsu came wouldn't say easy or quick, but within three years I could hold my own with black belts and. Do, do pretty well, wouldn't submit them or anything, but do well. And then, like I said, the striking took a little more time. So, With uh, um, what, what are the names that a lot of people really around the country know, but especially here in Iowa, um, Brian Keck was a big time, ter- you know, an amazing tournament <laughs> organizer and um, really, really good ambassador of the sport. I wanted to ask, did did he co- did you train with him, or what's your did you have a relationship with Brian a little bit? Yeah, I I mean, yeah, um, it's it's yeah, it was it was hard for everyone. He he was one of our wrestling coaches at Alliance for two or three years, and you know, then he moved back to Vegas for a little while, and you know, did his thing, and then he actually uh, I met him on the tail end when I was leaving, and we actually he took me out to a baseball game and. You know, that's the last time I unfortunately saw him alive. Uh, you know, he, you know, he was, he was battling some demons. I don't think a lot of people know this. Like he's battling some demons and he wants to please everyone and, you know, wants friendships. And I think, you know, he put himself out there a lot and, he, you know, he, you know, sometimes you get people who use you, you know, because of that, because you're so outgoing and, you're so giving and it, it was sad. It was sad when I heard about it. Cause I, I know, I know Brian Keck was dealing with some, some inner demons as far as, you know, depression and whatnot. And I don't think a lot of people know that, but yeah, I just, I, I feel, I feel bad that I wasn't there, but it just, it, you know, I know he had people around him, very close people who, who knew the situation and knew what he was dealing with. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I knew that you had a, had had a relationship with them. So just sort of as a, um, just sort of a, I guess, a want to say rest in peace to Brian Keck for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, guy made a huge impact in the Midwest. Uh, great wrestling tournaments he put on. Yeah. My son went to plenty of them and, and he would always be able to put them all together. So they were usually, seamless and you get the best of the best and you see the, some really great wrestlers in them tournaments so he is uh definitely a lost star wrestling community i will yeah you know just get off the sad topic i will say there i got a good story about brian you know and and uh you know so he actually cornered me for my first fight with honeycut um came out there and he he all right so he's a good guy and he he could work on his cornerman skills. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I flew him in on a red eye um, the night, the night, uh, the night before weigh-ins, just because, like, yeah, you're on a budget when you're when you're in bike camp. You don't have a lot of money, and the red eye was like 300 bucks to Hartford, Connecticut, or something. I was fighting at the Mohegan Sun from San Diego. First text I get, you know, and. He didn't beg me to be in the corner or anything, but he's like, oh, you should bring me, you know? And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I get three corner, man. I'll bring you. So <laughs> it just happens that same night they have like USC fight night or something in San Diego. And he texts me. He's like, yeah, got me flying out at, at, uh, at like, I don't know, 10 or something. And it's like, I can't go to UFC fight night. I was like, yeah, you can, man. I was like, the fight's aren't like I mean you won't be able to see the main event but and then he's just he's like oh well no I'm not gonna go for that so then he gets on the flight he loses ID so then he's calling me at like 6 a.m here I am like I don't want to wake up I'm already struggling to make weight I can make weight and he's like 
he's like, I lost my ID. It's probably because of this red eye. He put me on. I'm all tired. Starts blaming me. I was like, Jack. I was like, come on, man. So then he gets there, and everything's fine. And uh, he uh, he finds out he's gonna be like doubled up in my room because, like I said, the it's the Mohegan Sun. It's 500 a night, and we're. He's like, yeah. I wish you told me you hadn't gotten me a room. I was like, come on, Jack. This is like. <laughs> so what's he do? He goes down to the, um, the what is it? The uh, the roulette table, and he just he's like five hundred on black. Or what's he do? He puts I don't remember exactly what amount he put down, but he won, and so he got his hotel room. So then I'm cutting weight, and I'm all like sucked down, and he's got this damn boom box and like he's got it blaring i'm like just turn it down please turn it down and i'm starting to get mad because i'm like it's so loud and i just i'm already like agitated so he ends up turning it down well then in the fight you know we're like it was me and honey cuts first fight and end up being the no contest uh no contest or whatever and so we're at the dinner table and like it he starts telling me because I almost got taken down. I, I did. Uh, Honeycutt had me up against the fence, and uh, Keck's like, "Keep the wizard, keep the wizard." And like, he's got his hands locked. I'm going for a ride. I'm like, I'm not keeping the wizard. <laughs> so I literally hit an underhook, and as he takes me in the air, I hit a, like almost like a, a. Once I hit my butt, I hit like a lat drop or something. It, it was kind of weird. So he picks me up, and as soon as we hit, I kind of hit it hard and pull. Oh, I had my hands locked. So I had, yeah, an underhook, and then my opposite hand locked behind his back. So I hit it, and I got out. Well, then he starts arguing with me at the dinner table about how I should have kept the wizard. I'm like, Jack, I would have gotten launched on my head, dude. Like, come on now. But it was funny. Like, at the time, I was kind of mad, but we had a good laugh about it later. And like, like I said, you couldn't have met a friendlier guy, you know, spend, spend Thanksgiving with him, you know, right after his father had passed. I, that was really rough for him, you know? Um, but he had a good support system. Just like I said, he, he, he dealt with some inner demons like we all do. And it's just sad, you know, he's just a great guy. And I, you know, like we said, rest in peace. And I just wanted to tell, you know, a good story about him. <laughs> Yeah. I still laugh thinking about it. Still, I still remember the argument to this day, just at the dinner table. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I would have gotten launched on my head, dude. Sure. I had to, I had to improvise, man. <laughs> if I kept that wizard, I was done. Yeah. So. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, well, uh, coach, we got to that point where it's uh, what we call the sudden death uh, rapid fire question. So. It's like overtime, so are you ready for it? I'm ready to go. All right, man. Uh, first question, favorite wrestling movie? Uh, can I say the one I just uh, that should be coming out here one of these days? The Last Champion. Ah. Very cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I, I was lucky enough that a guy by the name of Joel Shear brought me in as like a, as like a assistant to, he was a choreographer and he brought me in like as a second assistant choreographer. It was kind of, it was, it was cool, man. It, it actually, uh, I can't give away some names, but I was able to get, you know, with the Iowa connection, I'm not trying to be like, whoa, whoa, but with the Iowa connection, I got some pretty big names and it. it's going to, and uh, the the lead character is pretty big name, and then I mean I think it's pretty dang good. I I know my I took my mom to the silent premiere out in uh, out in L A last last uh, last what was it uh, last August I believe yeah last August we did like a silent premiere. Uh, she loved it. She started crying. So I mean hopefully it takes off. Uh, our goal was to beat Vision Quest. So. Our goal is to be better than Vision Quest, and that's that's my favorite. Let's be honest, but the goal is to be be better than that. So, sure. And when is that coming out again? So I I mean I message the director all the time. I'm like, man, what's going on? But he, you know, I mean, directors are perfectionists, and you know, this was all shot. I think last it might even be two years now. 
it's, it seems, yeah, it's been two years we shot the last shot of it down there in Allen, Texas at that, that big arena uh, right there next, right there close to uh, where Bo Nickel went to high school, right down there. But uh, he, I don't know, man, he keeps with the Corona thing now. And then he was saying hopefully this fall, maybe, you know, Christmas time, but I don't know, man. Like I said, he's a perfectionist, so he's critiquing it all the time. When, whenever it comes out, we'll have to watch it. The last champion, it sounds cool. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, okay, favorite wrestling match of all time? Mine or watching somebody? Uh, let's do one of each. Let's do one of each. Okay. Um, if I have to pick one, I don't remember it. It's one of those matches where, I, you know, I, I blacked out. Uh, it's kind of you – hear, you hear wrestlers talk about it sometimes. Sometimes you get so tired you don't – it's like you're on autopilot, and uh, it's probably Ben Whistle when I was a junior, uh, kid from Purdue. We had some battles. Uh, we uh, that was in the yeah. We had already made it to the All American round, so that was the if I had won, if I had lost that, I'd be going for seventh, eighth, like he ended up going. Or if I won, I could you know go for third and fourth. But I just remember like it ended up being uh, what was it triple over? It was like eleven minute mat but it was constant pushing, you know, constant shots. And I'll never forget, like, don't just one, one of those things I can think back to the, the one of the small incremental things that won me that match was I, I'll never forget hard tongue yelling at me, beat him back to the center, beat him back to the center, beat him back to the center. And I did. And I literally won on like 20. I don't even think it's 20. It might've only been like, five seconds of riding time in like the triple overtime. So like I said, I don't remember much of the match. I just remember beat him back to the center, beat him back to the center. Uh, as far as matches I've watched, uh, I'd have to say probably last year watching Joseph get upset by the kid from Virginia Tech. Uh, was it Mikel Mikhail Lewis? That kid's a stud, man. Like yeah. he's good. Yeah, I, I I liked watching his run through the whole tournament, even though he took out an Iowa guy. I mean, he looked good, and uh, I'm excited for what his future holds. And you know, um, one of the most heartbreaking I'll never forget was the Dennis match. Everyone remembers that, you know, with yeah, with uh, with Nash from Minnesota. So you remember the good matches, but I remember more of like the heartbreaks. Sadly, you know, I remember the heartbreaks of like. Watching, you know, Israel Martinez get pinned by Joseph. And then, you know, like I you know, I pointed out earlier, you know, Dennis losing an S. So I remember those because I, I, you know, I feel for those guys. So Yeah, those are heart-wrenching for sure. All right. Favorite vacation destination? Easy. Aruba. My best friend <laughs> took me like two years ago. It was, it was so awesome. <laughs> Beautiful water there. Yeah. Uh, what what music do you play in the wrestling room? Uh, so we're we're kind of weird, man. Uh, our head coach, he's a little bit of a little bit of hippie. He'll admit that. So he'll play this reggae or some of this like mountain. I don't even know how to explain it. Then we got our country, which I like, and then we got our rap. You know, we got a couple couple guys on the team who like the rap. So it's a variety. So, nice. greatest U.S. Olympic wrestler. Ooh. Easy. I mean, I could say easy, but I want. I'm going to say Jordan Burroughs. I mean, guy's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it state wrestling or states wrestling? State. State. Ah, he's still a Midwestern boy. I like that. Yeah. When we moved to Georgia, we lived in Georgia for like a year and a half, and it was definitely states there. And we could yeah. never get used to it. <laughs> yep. What is the longest go you've ever wrestled uh, someone in practice? Who was it, and where was it at? Uh, I would say it was probably Jasmine Smith in the field house back when I was either, I want to say my second year. Uh, he, two and a half hours. He actually said I quit when I vomited on myself. <laughs> Holy cow. 
Yeah. Two and a half hours. Is that what you said? Yeah. He, uh, it was one of those days where it was wrestling until someone quits. And uh, he got me in a bent leg Turk, got my throat, started choking me, and I proceeded to vomit all up vomit all over myself which he in turn kind of pushed my head in it I was so like dog tired I couldn't even do anything and then he got up he's like he quit I was like I did not quit and uh yeah it was pretty uh it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> uh favorite food after a weight cut mm, uh gonna have to be pasta all right. Uh, here's a tough one. The favorite quote. Okay. Uh, oh, man, I had one, too. I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, probably take my college teammates, uh, uh, Joe Johnson. He, I always like this quote. He always had it up in his locker. But my biggest fear is being uh, – my biggest fear is uh, being average. A good one. A good one. Um, I read uh, what I thought was a pretty cool story. I don't think a lot of people maybe know. I, I hadn't heard it yet. Um, you had a Bellator fight with Josh Neer. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that fight? I know, I, and, uh, and then, like, what happened at the after party? I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah, so the thing with Josh Neer was I like the kid. Um, uh he's a really nice kid uh but with that being said he's about as sharp as a beach ball so he he got mad at me for accepting the fight when the promoter of the organization had told me that josh near had already been offered the fight and accepted and i knew what they were doing like i'm not stupid like they went to him and did the same thing but he took it personal it's like Oh, well, we trained together. Dude, we trained like twice. And we wrestled like one time in high school. Like, I knew him. And like, if I saw him, I'd be like, hey, what's up, Josh? You know, and we talk, whatever. It's not like we were like super close or anything. But yeah, he took it very personal and was all upset. And uh, so, you know, we ended up having a fight. And, uh, you know, it's a good fight. You know, obviously, I controlled him. And and beat on him a little bit, you know, and whatever, you know, I tried to be the bigger man, shake his hand, and I'm trying to, like, talk to him, talk to his corner after the fight, and even be like, hey, man, like, this wasn't my choice to fight him, like, they're like, no, that's not, I'm like, okay, guys, whatever, leave it for another time, so whatever, I leave, and uh, uh, are you talking about a couple years later when I saw him at a wedding, at the after party you're talking about? Uh, no, I, I, the after party I'm talking about uh, was when you met your niece. Oh, so yeah, okay. So after I beat, yeah, I know that. So that was in the after party. So yeah, I left that whole part out. It was a homecoming for me. You know, it's in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So my sister had just had given uh, birth to a little baby girl named Elena. So I I hadn't met her. I haven't met her yet, and uh, that was my first time back in Iowa since the baby had been born. It was born in that summer, and I think we fought in, like, September. So as I'm coming out of the cage, my uh, sister walks up to me and, like, hands me the baby. I was like, whoa. I was like, this is pretty awesome. And uh, so, yeah, the, uh, the cameras all caught that. That I mean, that was a pretty special way to meet your niece, I, I suppose, you know. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, that is one thing that. I will always be forever grateful for Bellator for allowing me to fight in my home state and like capturing that moment. So that's pretty awesome. So that's very cool. And is that um, that niece that you met that day? Is her older brother Dom? So yeah. So you know Dominic. Obviously, I mean, <laughs> if you look at him, he doesn't. She doesn't. He doesn't look much like my sister. He's actually half Asian. So. That's from uh, my brother-in-law's previous marriage. So that's, you know, technically my sister's stepson. And then, yeah, so that would be his little sister. So pretty crazy. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So w where'd you get the title, The Gentleman? <laughs> um, I, I was just out in Indiana, and I was training at this little ho-dunk gym called Damage Incorporated. And my manager at the time was just, we were trying to, like, go over names and, 
he's like, oh, how about the gentleman? I was like, oh, that's pretty horrible. And I didn't like it. And then when I started, like, trying these other stupid names out, like Bradley, I, I my next manager was, like, Bradley the tank, like, the uh, German tank. Remember that? I was like, no. And I was like, you know what? The gentleman's kind of grown on me. So I was like, no one has it. I was like, it's kind of kind of cool, kind of catchy. So um, it worked out. So... That's awesome. Well, Paul, uh, I want to say thank you again for joining us, man. It's been a super, it's been a real pleasure for me uh, and Jay, I'm sure. Um, really nice, really awesome hearing about some of your history. And uh, it's always awesome, you know, talking wrestling, uh, hearing about some of the, some of the famous Iowa names, including yourself. Um, so right. thank you very much for joining us, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And like, yeah, like I said, make sure to you know, uh, everyone out there, follow Queens Wrestling. We're, we're on Instagram. Just type in Queens Wrestling University of Charlotte. Uh, we're on the Facebook, too, and all that stuff. So, yeah, we're trying to build something special here, and we're excited. And like I said, I'm on the, I'm on the new ventures in my life and, you know, in grad school here and doing all that cool stuff. And, uh, but, yeah, we're, we're definitely excited about what the future holds. It's just, let's get past this damn corona already. <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow IA and QCA Wrestle to see more good content coming soon.